Welcome everyone to episode 21 of Where's This Going? Before we get started today, I need to thank my sponsor, US Wellness Meats. All of their beef, lamb, bison, and dairy products are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. They also offer pasture-raised heritage pork, free-range poultry, and wild-caught seafood. U.S. Wellness Meats has over 400 all-natural whole foods in their online store at uswellnessmeats.com. All of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles. They do not use any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. The owners are the farmers themselves, and they supply nutrient-dense, all-natural foods to professional football and baseball teams, colleges, individual athletes at the highest levels of every sport, health professionals, respected gourmet chefs, fine dining establishments, and families all over the country in every state, Canada, and Puerto Rico who are looking for the best food on the planet. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, for 15% off store-wide savings at uswellnessmeats.com today. And my next guest, he's a professional rapper, he's a podcast host, he's an author, he's a public speaker, a creative entrepreneur, and a social media influencer. Please welcome Zuby. And we're live. Zuby, thank you, sir, for being in the studio today. Happy to be here, man. How are you? I'm very well. I, uh, you're my first guest that I've, I, I think I mentioned this to you, but I flew in from Boston this morning Okay. to see you right now, and I'm flying back out to Boston tonight, so I'm very, very happy to have you on. That's all good, man. Well, I've, I've just come in from Washington, D.C. via 10 other cities and via the U.K., so happy to be here. So you talked to me a little bit about that trip, actually. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty curious of all the... You said you haven't been home since September, so nah. where have you been? So I've been to um, Los Angeles for two weeks, San Francisco for one. I'm just going to do the main cities, not the smaller ones. Then I headed out to Austin, Texas, spent a week in Austin, then did five days in Dallas and two days in Fort Worth. After that, I flew to Atlanta, spent two weeks in Atlanta, then went to Nashville and spent a week in Nashville, then a week in D.C., and now I've got four days here in New York City. And then after that, I can finally head home. Wow. Um, is there a favorite city? Is there a favorite moment from your, uh, your, your tour here? Man, I've had a lot of favorite moments. Um, obviously featured on some of the biggest podcasts in the world now, which is an honor. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan, The Rubin Report, Adam Carolla Show, Ben Shapiro Show, uh, was on Tucker Carlson last week on Fox News, which was pretty crazy. Um, so I had so many opportunities. Last week, I was invited to visit the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. I was invited to the White House twice. Um, it's been a pretty crazy trip, man. Uh, in the past eight weeks, the amount of people who who I've met, things I've done, places I've been, it's been, it's been incredible, man. It's been uh, eye-opening. I've learned a lot. I've really felt the love and the support here in the U.S. I mean, it's crazy. I'm my audience in the U.S. is now significantly larger than my audience in the U.K., which um, is the first time in my career that's been the case. And it's my first time coming to the States in 10 years. And it's also my first time visiting every single one of these cities, with the exception of New York. This is, out of this trip, New York City is the only city I've been to before. 
So I, I've learned a lot and I'm just truly grateful and feel very blessed to have these opportunities and have the chance to get my message out there to more and more people who I think need to hear it and who have been starving for it. What was the, the White House like? Yeah, it was, it was dope. It was, it was kind of surreal, man. Um, you didn't meet the president or any... I didn't get a chance to meet the president. I didn't get a chance to meet the president, but um, I was surprised by the fact that I got recognized in there multiple times. Wow. As in, you know, walking down the corridor and someone comes up to me and is like, yes, you'll be a big fan of your work. And I'm like, wow, okay. Is that weird <laughs> for you? <laughs> it's, of course it's weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm an artist from the UK, so to be invited to the White House and let alone have people in there, um, a couple people in there know who I am and be following my work and stuff is is huge um the place itself i mean firstly it's beautiful it's really cool it's a it's a cool place it's unique obviously it's just monumentous it's one of those places you see from the outside and you you hear about on tv and in in the news in in movies and you know the white house the white house but to actually go there same with the pentagon as well it's like you, everyone knows the name of the building kind of knows what it looks like from the outside but to actually be inside there and to be walking through it and meeting people and stuff it was um yeah really really interesting in both there's some aspects to both buildings which are almost a little bit like a museum so just kind of seeing cool stuff and memorabilia from even certain battles in history or uh sort of displays especially in the pentagon they've got displays of different uh campaigns that the usa have been involved in everything dating back from the civil war to world war one world war two vietnam and then all the humanitarian stuff that's been done so some of the floods and earthquakes and disasters around the world that uh us has aided with and all that kind of thing there was an area which was dedicated to um sort of the history of black people in the military in the USA, so going from the time when it was all segregated um, to the point where to the point where things are now, and different walls showing you know who the first uh, generals were, and all it, it it's pretty mind blowing. It's a really interesting place, really interesting place. If anyone gets a chance to visit either, I would highly recommend it. Did you go to the Oval Office? I saw the Oval Office. Yeah. Was that what was that like? Uh, it's cool. It's cool. Again, it's just it's just weird when you when it's in front of you because you're like, wow, okay, I've seen this before. On do you get to TV. just go? Do you go by on your own, or is there? No, uh, I was um, I was accompanied by um, no, it, it, like you can't access all areas, understandably, yeah. and you know there's lots of security and stuff like that. But um, I was invited by a couple of the staff, so they they took me around for the tour and were showing me the different places, introducing me to people, um, kind of explaining the history of the place and of certain objects and paintings and artifacts and things like that just to give some context to it all. So I was going to kind of go into it a little bit later, but I think this is a good moment. I think, you know, I've listened to a ton of uh, your your appearances on Ben Shapiro, as you mentioned. I listened to the Candace Owens actually on the plane today. Okay. Um, Rogan, of course. And I think that you have, I was talking about it a little bit with Josh earlier, just very a very interesting, your political views, I, I think are really, really cool and interesting and, and a, very different than most of, most Americans. Because mm -hmm. I think, you know, Americans usually swing either one way or the other. And there's really no in between. And you kind of talk that you're maybe center right leaning. Mm -hmm. Just being in the White House and seeing all those things, does that 
perhaps motivate you to potentially one day pursue politics? Because I do think that your views are, as I mentioned, a little bit different than, uh, you know, what honestly, what, what, what you hear here in America. So I'm thinking, you know, is there is there a Zuby for office one day? Man, a lot of people want it to happen. Um, one day, look, I, I don't count anything out in the future. Who knows? I'm, I'm in my early 30s now, maybe in my late 40s or 50s or even 60s. I may have achieved a whole bunch of the goals which are now my current existing goals. And if that there comes a time in the future where that's the path I want to go, then I will go in that direction. I won't do it if I don't want to, but it's hard to predict in 15, 20, 30 years time where I'm going to be and what my desired pursuits in that stage of my life will be. So it's not something right now where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to be an MP or run for office or something like that. But um, in the future, it is possible. I mean, if five years ago, if even three years ago, some people told me I would be doing some of the things that I'm doing now, I would have been kind of like, no, I'm, I'm a rapper. Why would I be? Why would I be doing that? Even some of these conversations and podcasts and interviews, um, you know, if someone said three, four years ago, yeah, you'll be on Sky News and Fox News and BBC and you'll be talking about all these various issues, I'd be like, no, why would I, why would I be doing that? So a lot of people seem to be interested in the way that I think and some of my ideas and stuff like that. And I think that I've always wanted to use my voice to encourage, inspire and motivate people and to try to, you know, not make the world a better place in the sort of cheesy sense, but in, in the real sense, you know, get, get people thinking, open up conversations, open up dialogue, talk about various issues and try to help people to understand that they've got a potential which they can fulfill and strive towards. It's why I've kind of expanded into various things just beyond my music because my music can hit a certain audience and demographic, but there's more that I can do with my voice that goes beyond just my music. So I have, there are Zuby fans out there now who aren't even fans of my music, right? So they may not even listen to hip hop or rap, but they like, they'll listen to every interview I do. They'll listen to every podcast. They'll support the merchandise. So you've got people who are interested in the book and the whole fitness and mindset and self-improvement stuff. So I figure, look, why, why should I leave stuff on the table? If it's in me, if I've got the capability and it's something that interests me and I can help other people with, then I'm going to put that out there. So we'll see how that expands in the future. Yeah, there's one, one thing that I do really um, admire and, you know, and in a sense look up to you for is how you've kind of expanded in multiple domains, you know, mm. podcast, the book, the ebook, uh, your, your fitness book, rapping, of course. I mean, like you're, you know, you, you call yourself a creative entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. What is... You know, I have maybe my definition of a creative entrepreneur for you. What is a creative entrepreneur and how did you kind of get interested in so many different d domains? Um, I would define a creative entrepreneur as somebody who uses their artistic slash creative talents to create businesses and sources of revenue. So that could be anything from a painter to a musician to an actor to a podcaster, anyone who is, is a creative but combines that with the entrepreneurial side of things. That's why I say a creative entrepreneur because my various 
things that I do are primarily based around my own cre- creativity, sort of directly. I'm, I'm still very much an artist. It's not kind of a, I guess, just like a, a all entrepreneurs are creative, but I mean creative in the more artistic sense when I say it. Do you feel like you're more a rapper than you are a motivational speaker? Do you feel like you're more one thing or the other? Do you, would you say you're primarily a rapper? I would say I'm primarily a rapper, but being primarily a rapper, a lot of stuff kind of comes with that. I'm, like I'm a lot, I mean, I'm a lot more than a rapper. Right. I'm a lot more than a rapper and I'm happy to be, I want to be a lot more than just a rapper because if someone just hears you're a rapper, that doesn't really encapsulate everything that I do very well, especially to someone who doesn't necessarily have a positive view Right. of the word rapper, right? The word rapper, some people will hear that and for better or for worse, rightly or wrongly, that creates a negative perception to certain people because people think, oh, it's probably another guy riding a rap, right, you know, rapping about his his cars and how many women he has sex with and drugs and whatever, right? That's a very, stereo, that's a very stereotypical view of what hip-hop and rap entails, but at the same time, it's understandable especially to someone who's kind of outside of that world, given what gets promoted and pushed out there on the radio and TV and everything, I can't really necessarily blame certain people for having that conception or misconception of that being what being a an, uh, rapper or a hip-hop artist is all about. So I like to be clear with people that what I do goes way beyond just, uh, way beyond just the music and certainly way beyond just the label of a rapper. Yeah, I think also, I mean, your music, and you've described it, is very... Uh positive based message you don't swear no um and i think do you, do you hope that this is like a new almost a new brand of hip-hop or a new brand of rap that you hope to see in the future that's a little bit less about flaunting having sex with girls drugs money and more you know positive based message i mean it's interesting because in the history of hip-hop i mean hip-hop didn't start out being negative it started out being a party music but be also music for people to voice their concern around certain social issues and, you know, even political issues and, and things like that. If you listen to rap from the late 80s, you know, well, not even late, just 80s, early 90s and stuff like that, it wasn't, it wasn't until the gangster rap era that that sort of style really started to take off and start making some more waves. And even then, the gangster rap at that time still had more of a message to it whereas more recently it kind of degraded into just being kind of wanton I don't know just more and more degenerate it just started kind of getting pushed more and more and more and I'll be 100% honest and upfront I mean I listen to some music like that it doesn't influence me in a negative way I don't feel but there's a problem if there's a lack of balance it would be like if every movie coming out, like I have no problem with horror movies existing, okay? But if every movie that comes out is a horror movie, right, you'd be kind of like, well, what, can't, we, can't we have other movies? Like, right. can, can we have some comedy and some drama and some romance? And it, it gets, to me, it's really about the balance. So I'm not someone who thinks that uh, certain types of music or entertainment or anything like that sort of, shouldn't exist or whatever and certainly don't think they should be uh, censored or anything like that. I'm totally opposed to that. But 
oftentimes it can feel like, why, how come that's the only, sometimes it feels like that's the primary thing that's really, really getting pushed out there to people. And that's the thing I tend to have more of an issue with, especially because mu- music does have an influence and an impact on people. It's, it's possible to, it's a nuanced conversation because you have the people who go foolishly to one end and something negative will happen. Someone will get attacked or someone will do a certain behavior and someone will be like, oh, it was the music and the video games and whatever. And you're like, no, that's, that's not correct. But then also you have people who don't want to even acknowledge that it's possible that the music can have some negative effects. And of course it can. People tell me all the time that my music has a positive effect on their life. All the time I get emails, I get DMs from people telling me, oh, such and such song or listening to this or whatever has made me want to pursue something I wanted to pursue. It's impacted me in a positive way. I was feeling a little bit depressed and I listened to this song and it made me, it uplifted me. So if, if music can have that power, it doesn't make any sense that it can't have a negative power. So I don't think, so I just think it's something that people need to consider properly right it's like whatever you whatever you consume whether that's through your mouth or your ears or your eyes or whatever it, it does have some effect on people some people are more immune and resistant to it than others but especially if you're talking about young people and let's let's be honest hip-hop culture shapes a lot of what is cool what is considered cool what people want to wear how people want to act the words people want to use all that kind of stuff hip-hop is so dominant in that. And that's a global thing. So I think it's just something that people need to take just kind of with a little bit more responsibility and just think of like, okay, what, what do we want to be, what do we want to be putting out there to people? Right. And, and how do we want to balance that? Do we just want to sell people on this idea of, you know, violence, guns, girls, drugs, all that stuff? Or do you want to maybe have that? But you've also got another side saying, hey, like, you know, you can live your life in a responsible way and you can achieve stuff and you can be a treat people decently and you can respect women and you can do all that. Right. It's 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 a it's a balance. And, you know, there's a there's a yin and a yang to everything in life. It's not like everything is positive or everything is negative. So going just 100 percent one way or 100 percent the other way, even myself, like the overall message of my music is always positive. But with every song, it does vary, right? It's like, okay, there's different stuff. Sometimes you just want to talk about something a little bit deep. Sometimes you want to talk about something that you, you've been through or that people go through or something like that. So it doesn't have to be like a kind of cheesy, corny, like happy-go-lucky, like happy, happy, joy, joy, every single song sort of thing. Is just, you know, someone can even come from a rough place or talk about something negative that they've done or that they've seen or whatever, but you can still... You can, you can handle that in different ways. You, you can glorify it and make it sound really cool or you can take an attitude that's more like, okay, look, like I've done this, I've been through this or I've seen this and I've witnessed this, but hey, um, I, I took this and I, I made something positive out of it. And if you look beyond most rappers' lyrics and you look at their actual lives and what they've achieved, then a lot of them... This one thing that frustrates me with music is because a lot of them in some ways are actually really good role models, okay? You take someone who grew up in a rough place, violent neighborhood, didn't have a lot of opportunities and things like that, 
And they went and they created something out of themselves. They became an entrepreneur. They used their skills, their talents, their abilities to build their own business and become successful. And in many cases, go and employ other people and go back to their neighborhoods and improve them. That's incredibly inspirational. But that's not the side of it that sort of gets the shine. Mm. You, you, do you see what yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the focus is more on the, the lyrics and the messaging and things like that. So I'm like, man, you're doing all this great stuff. I would love it if that could leak into the music directly mm. a little bit more so that people can really see that. And those young people who are growing up in that same place or similar places can see that and be like, hmm, they can, you know, they can see that, they can hear it, and they can take that message and hopefully use it in a positive way. That's what I would personally like to see. You know, I don't control anybody but myself, but that's what I would love to see. And I, there's, I mean, there's one theme when, when I listen to you, you know, now and, and on all the other podcasts and, and through your music is really, you know, positivity kind of reaching your potential. Mm. Like, I think on one podcast you said that you were obsessed with this idea of potential and, and you're frustrated when you see people that are not realizing the potential. Mm. Where do you think that kind of, um, and then you see it also in the fact that, you know, you work hard at what you do and the success is coming in. Have you always been this kind of driven where you like this as a kid? I mean, you know, you have a, well, if you, if you don't mind, I know you've talked about it a lot. You've had a really interesting kind of uh, childhood because you, you grew up in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. So will you just, for people who haven't heard your story, maybe give a brief background on your life uh, growing up. And then also, um, you know, back to my question of, have you always been this kind of driven and motivated? And how do you continue to find that motivation? Gotcha. So um, in terms of my background, so I was born in the UK. I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I went there as a baby. I went to school there from preschool up until fifth grade. Uh, when I was 11, I went back to the UK for boarding school. I was in boarding school for seven years, back and forth between the two countries. Did really well in school. Went to Oxford University, studied computer science. Graduated from there when I was 20. And then I worked, uh, I did my music full-time for one year. Then I worked in the corporate world for three years whilst juggling my music stuff on the side. And then in 2011, took the plunge to go pursue my music career full-time. And I've been doing, making a living off my music and other endeavors full-time now for about eight years. Um, so that's sort of the short form of my story. There's way more detail I could get into. Um, but in terms of my drive, a lot of it is my personality. You asked if I've been like that since a kid. The answer is yes. I've always been like that. There's a story my parents always tell me about um, going to like an athletic track. I think I was four years old at the time. And um, it, people were just, you know, running around and messing around or whatever. And I was just running laps around this athletics track until I literally collapsed and fell asleep. And my parents wow. had to come and pick me up and uh, carry me back home. I, li I literally ran until I could run no more. And I just collapsed on the on the track. So my parents always use that as a metaphor to how I am. <laughs> so uh, I've always been I've always been very driven, very industrious, very conscientious. Um, you know, worked hard in school, worked hard in university, all that. Anything I put my mind to, I'll, I'll do it. Like I'm very binary. Either I do something or I don't. Like if I say I'm going to write a book, like you know, some months ago I said I'm going to write a book, and the book was out the next month. Right. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I said I was going to start a podcast in the beginning of January. You know, I've just put out my 61st episode now. So anything I say I'm going to do, I will do it. Um, 
I'm not someone who really mm, kind of back, back and forth a lot. Like I just set my mind to something. So a lot of that is just natural wiring, but also it's knowing my purpose and being very, very clear about what my purpose and what my vision is in the world. It's why it's why it's hard for people to rattle me, whether it's online, offline, whatever. Like people are, especially as my audience has grown, people are like, geez, man, how do you, how do you deal with, how do you deal with some of this stuff, man? Like this, this, I see some of the messages and some of the hate you get and whatever. I'm just like, dude, because I know my purpose. What is your purpose? My purpose is to have a positive impact and influence on over 10 million people. Wow. So every day, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, that's part of the goal. Right. And anything that helps me do that, whether that's doing this podcast or doing the next one or doing this concert or doing this or doing that, that all leads towards the goal. Every tweet, every social media post, every video. Cool. This is reaching more and more people. So I've taken it from 100 people to 1,000 to, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 100,000, 200,000. And I want to just continue to grow that. And I get encouragement every day from people who are led, making it very clear to me that what I'm doing is having a positive impact on them. I mean, you were asking about one of the highlights of the trip. One of the highlights of my trip actually has been doing fan meetups in different cities. So I, I did the first one in San Francisco. I was literally hungry. It was like 6 p.m. I just tweeted out, um, I'm hungry. Does anyone in San Francisco want to go get dinner? Like wow. I just tweeted this out and in two hours um sitting there in a group of like eight people that I've never met before who just followed me on Twitter and were there having a great conversation and eating food. And I was like, cool. I did the same thing in Atlanta, did the same thing in Nashville, did the same thing in DC. And I'm just like, cool. I've got friends. I've got, I've got supporters and fans and friends in every city now who I can just go on social media and say, Hey, like, do you guys want to meet up? And there's people who are excited and are traveling from even outside of town just to come and hang out with me. And I'm just like, wow, that's, that's incredible, right? To me, that's, that's the clearest sign that, okay, I'm doing something, I'm doing something right. If, you know, to me, I'm just, I'm just Zuby, I'm just me, right? <laughs> like I deal with myself every day, <laughs> but the fact that people are willing to do that and meet me and trying to get me to come to all these different cities and stuff, I'm like, okay, cool. That's, that means I'm on the right, I'm on the right path. So People can try to knock me off of it, but I'm so focused that it's like, yeah, whatever. Is there one story from one of those lunches or meetups from a fan um, that they told you or one maybe moment that you had with them that was that you'll always kind of remember or that really sticks out to you? Hmm. Um, so I did a meetup in D.C. last week, and um, there was one woman who came actually with her daughter who's like nine and was like, yeah, my daughter, you know, also really likes you and wanted to come and, you know, my husband, you know. But, and so, so, yeah, stuff, stuff like that was just, like, awesome. And, and it's hitting so many different ages. I mean, I've had people in their 60s come, Wow. right? When I, was, when I did one in, uh, in Nashville. Is that was, weird for you? You're like 30 and you have a 60-year-old coming. To- it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the same thing happens at my gigs. Like, I, I've, people are, I get people who are like, oh, I don't want to come. It's, I'm going to be too old or whatever. Sometimes someone, someone will say that when they're like 35 or something. I'm like, no, you're not, right? But I've had people in my, gig, in my gigs who are in their 70s, and then I've got children there, and I'm like, awesome. It's not just, you know, I've, I've got a main age demographic that I generally hit, but my message and what I'm trying to put out there is not limited to 
age, sex, race, gender, like whatever, like, you know, these categories, it's just for people who are willing to receive it and people who like truth and who like authenticity and who like positivity. And to me, it's everything I do is almost like a natural filter. So I don't worry about people who don't like me or who don't understand my message because I'm just like, well, it's, maybe it's not for you then, right? I can't get everybody to like me and I don't want to try to get everybody to like me. Maybe when I first started out, that was almost like a little bit of a naive goal. Like I just want to, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to polarize anyone. I want everybody to like me. And I learned pretty quickly, even if you try to be positive and you try to be good to people and you try to present yourself in a certain way, some people just won't like you. So once I realized that, and the more and more I realized it, the more I was like, you know what? It, it kind of gave me more permission to just be me and not worry too much about what people may this, what people may say or how people may try to brand me or whatever, because ultimately that just says something about them, right? If, if you see someone who's out there clearly trying to put out a positive message and trying to help people and whatever, and your first reaction is to like hate on them or to call them names or to insult them or try to... Uh, publicly shame them or whatever, then it's like that says a lot about you, not about that person, right? There's nobody out there who's kind of doing that and who I'm there spending my time trying to berate them and drag them down. It's like, nah, even if I, I mean, you don't even need to be a fan of somebody's work to, you, to, to learn from them and to take something positive from it, right? There are people who, like, for example, in the world of music, there are artists out there whose music I don't even particularly like, but I could look at their story and I can see what they're doing and I can take inspiration from that. I can learn from that and be like, hmm, okay, that's, I like the way they've, I like the way they've done that. You know, I'm not, maybe I'm not into the music, but I like the way they did that, that marketing campaign, or I like the visuals of that song, or I like the fact that this person just took a bad situation and made something good out of it. There's always something positive to gain from that. So it's crazy that there's a, percentage of the population that just spends all this time hating on other people for lack of a better term when they could really be learning and using that same energy and time and effort to create their own thing and to make their own life better like it's uh it's such a bizarre concept to me but unfortunately that's just how some people seem to be wired so when did you exactly um did you started your your music and you're rapping at Oxford. Mm -hmm. What was that like when, I mean, you're, you're going to Oxford com for computer science. Mm -hmm. So can you, you've got some good coding uh, abilities? <laughs> Not now. <laughs> um, I, I, did, I did learn how to do it. Um, I did learn to code, literally. And, but um, yeah, no, it's not a, I also learned that I don't particularly like coding, which is why I ended up taking a very different path. Is there something that you would have liked to have known that you now know um, when you first started your, your rap career? Hmm. Hmm. Wow. I would have made more out of... Uh, I probably would have made more out of my time at university because when you leave university... I tell this to a, a lot of aspiring musicians who are currently in university, college, whatever you want to call it, is that in some ways, a lot of stuff is easier when you're in that world because you have an inbuilt community of people who you're close to, who you can easily promote your work to and get to gigs and events and things like that because you're kind of just part of this thing. 
And once you leave, actually, it gets a lot harder, especially with the, the live side of things, because your friends all veer off to different places and cities and countries, and you're no longer really part of a, a thing, like a group where you've just got 10, 15, 20,000 people around your age group and demographic who are all just in one place. Mm-hmm. So I would have made, I, I did do a decent amount in university, but I would have made even more of it and really, really capitalized off of that position. Um, that would be the one thing that I would uh, kind of tell myself if I could go back and say, okay, this is where things are going to go. Also, if I had the foresight, this is, this is impossible because you can't predict the future, but um, I would have I capitalized even more on some of the digital platforms and social media and stuff like that, right? I mean, I've been on YouTube since 2006, wow. right? I've been on Facebook since 2004. I've been on, you know, all these platforms early. I would have been like, okay, YouTube is going to be, by 2019, YouTube's going to be like a really, really, really big thing. So make a huge dent in this thing while it's so small. But that's, you know, that that's stuff you can't predict, right? Just like, you know, 10 years ago, I would have told myself to buy a thousand Bitcoin, right? It's, it's right? You, you, don't, you don't know where the world is going. Hindsight is 2020. So um, what I'm trying to do now is think, what are the decisions I can make now that in five years' time, 10 years' time, I will be thanking myself for? I love it. We're going to take a quick break, talk about Manscaped. Support for Where Is This Going comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for all of your family jewels. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Over 1 million men have confidently Manscaped with Manscaped's precision-engineered tools. This trimmer's so good, even Mark Cuban from NBC's hit TV show Shark Tank offered Manscaped a deal. Get 20% off and free shipping using promo code WTG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code WTG. Always use the right tools for the job. Zuby, your balls will thank you. <laughs> All right, back into it. What I actually forgot to do right in the beginning, but I did mention to you uh, before we got started, is there a little tidbit or a story about yourself that the world already doesn't know? Yeah, there's probably a few of them. Um, Give me your best one. Mm, I don't know about best one, but something, something that most people don't know about me is that I used to be a vegetarian for seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah, from the age of 7 to 14, I was a vegetarian. Just be, because you didn't want to... Uh, yeah, for ethical reasons. I, I th- um, for So when I was 7, so both of my grandparents used to have... Uh, my grandmas used to have animals in their, in their um, like, small animal farms. And so I just remember being... Was I six, 6 or 7 years old at the time? And I just remember watching uh, some of the slaughterings happen. And then that next day like it's one of those weird things because i think i I already kind of knew obviously you know what a chicken looks like when it's alive and you know that this thing on my plate is chicken so there's the connection there but sort of (laughs) seeing seeing it happen right before my very eyes at at a young age i was kind of like yeah i don't want to eat this and so the following day this is what i was saying about me being binary the following day i became vegetarian and i didn't eat meat again for seven years so most people don't know that about me where does this, like, I feel like you can almost, like, turn a switch on and off. Mm. Where does that come from? I don't know. Ask God. Ask God. That's how he made me. Yeah. You don't think, because you also, uh, the other thing I was going to ask you earlier was, 
in a few interviews, you've said like your biggest role models are your parents. Absolutely. How have they kind of influenced you as a as a person, and then also, you know, maybe as a rapper as well? Um, have they always been supportive of you as a rapper? And talk about their influence on you, uh, I guess, in all facets of your life. Sure. Um, yeah. So shout out to my parents. I like to uh, give them props because they deserve them, and they're incredible people, and they've raised myself and my four brothers and sisters oh. incredibly well. Um, so. I think my, my parents got the balance. I just feel like they got the balance pretty much perfect in a lot of things. So I remember growing up, I remember having friends who had parent, parents that were too strict. I remember having friends who had parents that were too lenient. Um, and I just think my parents got the balance right between discipline and freedom. And that's something that I and all my siblings have really carried with us throughout our lives. Um, and, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, th I think I can't, un I can't overstate how valuable that foundation has been to me. And it's something I feel b very blessed to have because I'm very aware, especially in the kind of world and climate that we live in, that that's not something that everybody does have. So there are certain values that they've always instilled in me. Um, telling the truth is one of them. Like one thing that a lot of people say they really value about me is my honesty and my authenticity and the fact that I don't, like I just say stuff as it is and I'm not hesitant to give my views and opinions even if they may not be popular in certain circles, especially being an artist and being in the entertainment world and being someone who is quite dissenting of a lot of ideas that are quite popular in there. Um, you know, my parents really, really instilled in me not to lie. Like, you know, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Consequences sort of be damned. Um, so I think that's one thing. I also remember from a really young age them always telling me that life's not fair. Okay, I remember as a kid something would happen. I'd be oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. And I'd, they'd, be, they'd say that life's not fair. And that's something that always stuck with me and I think that's an important lesson to learn which because it's it, it's humbling it's humbling but it's, it's also empowering right some people may hear that and think that oh that's disempowering I'm like no that's that's empowering because it, it tells you that you are not you can't control absolutely everything and there are always going to be people who have things that you don't are better than you at certain things. You're not always going to get your way just because you want your way. You're not entitled to anything, let alone everything. So just having that constant understanding, it helps you to just kind of understand reality for what it is, but also to act and respond and take responsibility in a way that despite the fact that life is not fair, you can use your own advantages you know, you can kind of, <laughs> this is going to sound like almost like uh, somewhat callous or predatory or something, but you can leverage your own advantages and you should, right? If there's something you're really good at, which other people typically aren't, then use that, right? That's your unfair advantage. So you find your own unfair advantage and use it. What is it that you can do and that you can offer to the world that most people really struggle with? And... You know, for some people that might be being really, really good at 
a particular sport or being able to run really, really fast or being really, really good at math or really, really good at problem solving, whatever that thing is, you can find that and everyone's got them. And then you can use that to your own advantage. So it's one of those things that depending on how you frame it, you can, um, you can really use to your advantage. And then, you know, just simple things like the importance of education, the importance of working hard, the fact that if you work hard, you'll get rewarded. And similarly, if, if you don't work hard, then you've got to deal with, you've got to deal with the consequences. If you make bad mistakes, you've got to deal with the consequences, all, all that stuff. Um, some of it, which I guess kind of in an ideal world should be common sense, but there's a lot of things that, you know, you do need to learn some way or another. So the reason I would say my parents are, you know, my biggest role models is because they've just done a great job with all that. And they, and they still do to, they still do to this day, you know, several decades on, um, they're still, they're still doing that job. And, um, in terms of them supporting me, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I give them props for that as well, because a lot of people know with, um, (laughs) Nigerian parents in particular, African parents in general and Asian parents have a, have a bit of a reputation (laughs) for being so focused on academia and traditional achievement that they can dissuade their children from doing things that are artistic or more risk-taking and that kind of thing. And I, again, feel blessed that they didn't do that to me, right? Because what would make what I'm doing infinitely harder would be if I were fighting against my parents and my own family just to do what I want to be doing, right? That, That would be a whole different battle which would be very disempowering and somewhat discouraging. So I'm glad that I don't have to face that battle and my parents come to my gigs and every time I release a new album or a new piece of merchandise, they fight to be the first to buy it. So I couldn't really ask for more in terms of their support there. So I will always, uh, I will always give them a shout out <laughs> because uh, a, lot of pe- a lot of people, you know, sometimes, sometimes for valid reasons, don't want to kind of give their parents any shout outs or credit. So I'm happy, I'm happy to do that. What are your, what are your siblings doing? I'm kind of curious. I haven't heard that much about them in uh, some of the, the other podcasts that I've listened to. So I'm curious what, what are they up to in life? Yeah, sure. A range of things. Uh, one of my brothers is a doctor. The other one works in uh, public relations. Uh, one of my sisters is a pretty high powered investment banker. And the other one um, works for a non, an NGO non-governmental organization so she works all over the world um doing various types of work what do they what do they say about your kind of your rise and your your success do they do they also come to your gigs yeah yeah <laughs> they, they come to my gigs when they can uh, they've all got kids so and you know we're, we're spread out around the world so stuff can sometimes be a little bit difficult but you know my, my family's truly supportive like it's uh yeah I, I i love my i love my family to death like really you have a, speaking of your rise, um, I want to talk about like the first, you know, the video that went viral. Mm-hmm. Um, you've talked about it a million times. I'm not going to bore you with it. But for, again, for, for people who haven't, aren't familiar with it, will you explain it? Because you'll do a better job than I will um, in a very brief kind of couple of <laughs> sentences. And then we'll go into that. Yeah, no problem. So um, on the 26th of February, 2019, I posted a video on Twitter. It was a nine second video of me doing a 230 kilogram deadlift which is somewhere around 510 pounds, I believe. Um, And I wrote a caption saying, I keep hearing about how biological men have no strength advantage over biological women in 2019. 
so watch me destroy the British women's deadlift record without trying. P.S. I identified as a woman while lifting the weight. Don't be a bigot. And it caught fire. Um, how many followers? Do you know how many followers you had before that? 19,000. And now I think it's like, what, 157,000. Woo! Yeah. Um, a lot of that is not just because of that video. Yes. <laughs> but um, that video probably took it from 19,000 to uh, about 50,000. Um, that video and sort of a few things following it. So what happened is because I've been putting in all this work all the past years and because I have a lot more to offer than just a deadlift video. Yes. <laughs> right. That brought people's attention, but then a lot of people stayed and went down the rabbit hole to discover my music and my podcast and all the other things that I actually do, which are interesting. People go viral on Twitter and on social media all the time, but most people are not able to capitalize off of it because it's the tweet that goes viral rather than them. And the person who tweeted the thing doesn't necessarily have much beyond that specific piece of content that's particularly interesting or captivating. Whereas in my case, I had a whole body of five albums and three EPs for people to dig into. I had a catalog of podcasts and other social media content that I've been putting out there for years and years and years. So for lots of people, that was the discovery moment. But then they quickly realized, oh, okay, there's a lot more to this guy than him just being able to make one funny tweet with um, a deadlift. So... Yeah, that's kind of how that one worked. And then it led to a whole bunch of media, um, a whole bunch of media invitations and exposure and things like that. So it's, um, yeah, some, sometimes you put something out there and it really, really uh, does more damage than you necessarily thought that it might do. So it's, it's funny, you know, it's funny um, that of all the pieces of content that I've put out there and all the things that I've planned and music videos and things I've spent money on and invested in and all that, that that one video of me, you know, little clip from me, one of my training sessions in a gym was the thing that brought so many people to discover who I am. It's kind of funny. Would you say that if you didn't have all that other work with the, with the music and everything before, mm. that if it was only for that clip, you wouldn't have the success that you're having today? Can oh, I, Absolutely. And I'm also curious, uh, you know, I, I actually first listened to you on, on Rogan. Mm -hmm. um, what was that experience like? You know, I mean, everybody knows Rogan as, you know, probably one of, if not the best podcast yeah. in the world. Yeah. What was your experience like? I'm curious. So I knew I was going to be on Rogan. I've said for a couple of years that I'm going to really? be on there. Yeah. I, I, I call things before I do them. I didn't know I would be on there so soon. Mm. Right. I, I, as, a, as a, someone who's listened to the show for probably four or five years, mm -hmm. um, I've always been like, one day I'm going to, one day I'm going to be on that. But I didn't know how it would happen or why or when. So it did happen. If, if at the beginning of this year, someone told me, oh, you're going to be on not just Rogan, but all these other things, you know, I, I wasn't even planning to do this US trip. At the beginning of the year, really? right? Was no. it was it due to because you knew it was Rogan first, and you're like, I'll make a trip of it. Yeah, once uh, once I got booked for a couple of them, then it was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to L.A. And if I'm going to go to L.A., why don't I extend the trip and do a whole bunch of other now cities? It's November. Now it's November. It's two two months. <laughs> people, people still don't want me to leave. <laughs> this campaign to make me become a citizen. People are trying to like <laughs> people are trying to trade me for somebody else. Uh, there, are, there are a few people I trade you for. <laughs> a lot of people trying I trade to, away. A lot of people trying to trying to trade me for people. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, so it was, it was a little bit surreal, but it was also pretty comfortable. I mean, Joe's, Joe's a great guy. He's 
very genuine. He's the same in real life as he is and comes across on the podcast. So in some ways, it kind of felt like I was talking to somebody I already know, mm. even though we'd never actually met before. So it wasn't super weird. It was cool. It was cool. And he's got like a really cool facility yeah. as well. And so it was it was interesting to check that all out. And then when we finished the interview, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson was the next guest. Wow. So he'd been watching and listening to the conversation with Joe. So he came out and greeted me. And I was just kind of there chatting for like 20 minutes with Joe Rogan and Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I was just like, this is cool, right? This is, yeah. <laughs> it was my third day. It was my second or third day in Jeez. L.A. And I was just like, okay, this is pretty cool. I was just with uh, hanging out with Dave Rubin yesterday. And now I'm with Joe and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Then like a couple days later, I met with uh, Ben Shapiro and then Adam Carolla and all these people. So it was just like day after day after day. I was just like, wow, this is, uh, this is very, very... It's the dream, man. Yeah, it's very inspiring. And yeah, again, and it just kind of gave that, you know, as, a, as an artist and as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a creator, it's, you have so many periods where you, you question what you're doing mm. and you wonder if you're really making progress. Like I said, I mean, I've been doing my music since 2006 and full-time since 2011. So we're talking... In terms of full-time, we're talking eight years for things to get to this stage. And so within that eight years, you know, I've had little glimpses of success and, you know, good things happening and whatever, but I've also had some low periods or just some... Will you talk about one where, of your lowest? Yes, I will. Um, <laughs> there's been a few. So here's something that not everybody knows about me. I mean, my early fans all know this because that's how they know me, so... I built my audience primarily in the UK by just traveling from city to city and selling CDs out of my backpack. Wow. Okay. So I've been to over 50 different cities and towns in the UK, standing on the street in different town centers, talking to strangers, whatever, whatever weather, rain, sleet, snow, sunshine, talking to people and just selling my CDs. I've sold over 25,000 albums direct to people. When I say I've sold 25, I mean like hand to hand. 25,000 plus. And, you know, that, that was kind of my bread and butter for several years. And I did have periods, you know, I'd have great days where I'd go out to a city and there'd be so much love and I'd sell, man, I'd sell 40, 50 CDs in four or five hours. And I was like, awesome, this is great. But then I'd have days where it's just like, man, like nobody is, nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to buy your stuff. Nobody is stopping to check out what you're doing. Maybe the rate's raining. I've had times where I'm literally in the, in the snow, right? I'm a guy with an Oxford degree who quit my management consulting job where I was making decent money, and I'm now standing in the snow in Glasgow on a Tuesday afternoon trying to sell CDs to strangers. What's going on in your head? What am I doing? Why, why, why am I putting myself through this? That's what's going on in my head. Like, why, why did I... You know, what am, what am I doing, right? Just that moment, like, what am I doing? I go back and obviously you don't want to blow the budget. So, you know, if you're staying up in a different city, you're staying in like a cheap hotel with like no frills and you're just there and you're like, why am I kind of putting myself through this essential torture, right? <laughs> but, and, and this is, it's important to tell the story, right? Because most people don't actually know this about me now because you know, my audience has grown so significantly. So mo most people used to know this. But now my audience has grown mm. so much that most people kind of missed this, six to, this five to six year period of what I did where this was like I was going out hundreds of times, 200 times a year, 200 days out a year 
to go and hustle my CDs and to go and deal with all this stuff. And um, yeah, you know, I, I had some periods where I was just like, man, am I, you know, just just second guessing, just thinking, man, is this is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is it is it meant to be this hard? Right? Is this the way forward? Am I doing things wrong? Am I doing things right? And sometimes you get that glimpse of like, okay, no, no, I know why I'm doing this. But then you'd also just have days where you're like, good, you know, you kind of just want to <laughs> just, just just pack it in and go do something else. Did you always, did you know that you were eventually going to be in a position like you are in today? Did you have that feeling and that confidence? Yes, otherwise I wouldn't have done it. Um, and that was the thing that kept me going. Like I said, it was that North Star of, okay, I want to have a... At that time, it was I want to have an impact on a million people. And then I read a book called The 10X Rule by Grant, Grant Cardone, which says that you need to 10X any goals that you have. So I was like, okay, it's now 10 million. Um, and I think if it was 1 million, I think I, it's hard to track these things, but it's possible I've already achieved that. When you say one, one touching 1 million people, what's that mean? What's that look that's, like? That's a good question. So I'd like there to be a million people in the world, 10 million people in the world. I don't know how I would uh, count this. You can, you can guesstimate somewhat with social media and things like that. But I want there to be 10 million people in the world who will say, if you, if you mention my name to them, one, they'll know who I am, and two, they'll have mm. some positive, in, in some way, shape, or form, they'll say that I've had a positive impact on their life. Just like there, you know, there are so many people out there, whether they're musicians or um, you know, podcasters or authors or whatever, who have had a, a big positive impact on my life, but they don't, act, they don't actually know that. You know what I mean? Like some of them know because I've had a chance to tell some of them, but like, I mean, how many people has Joe Rogan had a positive impact on? Hundreds of millions. Hundreds of millions. Like he's, he's he won't even know. He won't know. No, he won't. He won't even know, right? But if you talk to people. And you mention the name Joe Rogan, you'll get people like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I like that guy. I learned this from him. Or, oh, yeah, he had that. He introduced me to that guy or this or whatever. So what he's doing to me, like, I mean, I mean I'm like, man, this guy's doing God's work, man. He's, he's yeah. exposing people to all these ideas, having these conversations, introducing new people. Like, he helped. Do you know, do you know Jordan Peterson? I do. Right? Joe Rogan was a key factor in that, right? That was one of the things that you know, bringing Jordan Peterson on his podcast, that was one of the things that amplified his message to so many more people. And then from there on, there were more and more amplifications. They called the Joe Rogan effect. Yeah, exactly. It's real. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very real. So it's like, okay, cool, that one introduces you to that one and this and this. And it's hard to, um, like I said, it's hard to quantify how many people you're having an impact on, but I think you can estimate to a degree. So I know now, for example, I have... Across the board, I've got 220,000 people approximately because I don't know what the average, what the overlap is. I have over 200,000 people who follow me on social media. So, and I know that my videos, including the interviews and stuff, have had about five to six million views. So I would probably guess that over, you know, several million people have come across what I do in some way shape or form, especially if you include the TV appearances and stuff like that. How many of those people are genuine fans or who have really taken something positive or whatever? I don't know, but I want to get things to a scale where it's almost obvious that I'm reaching at least that many people. 
So that's kind of how I'd measure it. It's not so much the specific number that's really the most important thing. It's more like as many people as possible. There's billions of people in this world. And I know that there are, there's probably at least a billion potential Zuby fans in the world. Wow. That's crazy. Right. And I'm not going to reach them all, but I want to reach as many as I feasibly can before I die. <laughs> and then I'd like to keep reaching them even when I'm dead, right? Just because if you're an artist, if you're a creator, you can create things. This is amazing. You can create things that live longer than you do. Do you hope that they they hear your music? Do you hope you inspire them? Do you ho hope, if there's one way to sum up the effect that you would have on a person, what would it be I in your ideal world? <laughs> to encourage them to be more than they currently are and to go for their goals and to overcome obstacles and difficulties and simply to, yeah, to give them words of people need encouragement. Give them encouragement to know that, yeah, you're, you're here's where you are and you can be, you can be better, whether that's physically you can train yourself to be stronger, fitter, look better, be in better shape. Mentally, you can think better, you can have better discussions, you can have better relationships and conversations with people. Um, so, you know, in terms of career, school, what, what, whatever, whatever it is. Um, that's why, like I said, I've got the different aspects now of what I do. And one of those branches might reach someone a lot more powerfully than another one. For one person, it might just be straight through the music. Like, wow, that music really just got me, got me pumped up, right? I'm, listen, I'm listening to the song while I'm training in the gym or while I'm working or whatever, and it's the lyrics and the beat or making me want to, you know, kind of go for it. It could be that. It could be someone else who reads the fitness book and is like, ah, okay, like, I get this now. Like, and then they go to the gym and they start training. I just got a message from someone this morning. He tweeted, uh, he added me on the tweet saying, you know, he's lost like 10 pounds or something so far oh. since he read my book. And I'm like, awesome, great. Like, that's directly a positive impact on someone, right? Or someone else watches an interview and they're saying, oh, well, you know, when you said such and such, that really hit me. Or I like the way you freight worded that. Or you just made me think about this issue in a different way. So anything like that. Um, for some people, it'll be a massive thing. For some people, it might just be a little bit small. But it's, it's all positivity that's being put into the world. And I have a question for you. Do you feel like because you're so spread out in multiple domains, it potentially compromises your potential and your uh, ceiling in one of those particular domains? Um, if that, if you understand what I'm, I understand what, I'm what you mean. Um, no, I don't think so. I think that they are synergistic, mm. and I think that the time is going where people are just one thing, right? It's mm. it's. We're, we're in a time period for a lot of reasons due to technology, due to the economy, due, due to a lot of things where it's hard to just be one thing, especially in the creative world. You know, you, can, you could just be a, a surgeon, right? right. If, you're, if you're just a brain surgeon, that, that's, that's fine. Okay, you don't need to be a social media influencer and a podcaster as well, I'd be right? a little worried, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, you're just a brain, you can just be a Focus brain surgeon. On. You could just be a mechanical engineer. But it, it's hard to just be a musician now, mm. right? If all you do is make music and play music, sure, some people can make a living off of it. 
But due to a lot of factors, including the way people consume music now, that's just become, I mean, even if you look at the biggest artists, a lot of them are making a lot of money. You know, why are they having clothing lines and perfume deals and drink sponsorships? Mm. And, you know, it's because you've got to do more than just the music. Uh, lots of them go into acting. So people write books, whatever it is. So I think we're we're kind of in that space where you don't, well, firstly, you don't have to just be one thing. But even if you did want to, for practical and monetary reasons, that one thing may not be enough to sustain you and to allow you to truly flourish. So it's not something that I, I, I need to work out the best way to combine all the things, if you see what I mean. But um, I know that there's a way to do it. And I know that that also offers something unique because that makes you even more special because there's a lot of rappers out there. There are a lot of podcasters out there. There are a lot of uh, fitness guys or girls out there. And there's political commentators out there or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> right? But there's nobody I'm aware of besides me who combines all those things, mm. right? So I can, rather than it just being Zuby as a rapper, it can be put together as like, okay, Zuby is a, a brand or a media company or something that's, you know, there's this, there's that, there's that. Would you change your social media handles to just Zuby then? If it's Zuby Music? It's probably too late. <laughs> I think Zuby Music is, uh, is in people's heads. And, you know, the music is the core of everything. Mm -hmm. The music is how everything started. So, and I, and I want that to remain the core. I really want to grow my music. I, the reason I haven't been putting out a lot of music recently is just because I've been doing so much other stuff. But early next year, I'm going to go back to writing. I've got, I've got tons of ideas, so much that has been spurred, in fact, from the past six months. So I've got a whole bunch of new ideas out there that I'm actually very excited to put out there and to start adding into my music, sprinkling into my music a little bit more. Now that I've got, now that I know what my message is, it's taken a long time to get really clear about what my message is. Um, and it's, it hasn't changed that much over the years, but it's become more refined. How would you describe your message if you had to in just a sentence or two? Um, hmm. My message is that I've, I've kind of touched on it already in terms of the encouragement and the potential. Right. Um, and it also taps into authenticity and honesty and also willingness to, how would I put it? See, I, like, I've, I've, the reason I've been pulled into a lot of this sort of sociopolitical or cultural conversation mm -hmm. is not really because I specifically wanted to. It's more because the world has moved and is moving in certain directions in some aspects which concern me and which concern a lot of other people. And it often seems like it's a very one-sided conversation which can often be ruled by emotions over any kind of logic and reasoning. So I didn't necessarily want to be or plan to be that guy who's kind of uh, inverted commas, voice of reason like some people view me as now. But that's something that I've just kind of taken up the mantle because one, other people aren't doing it, largely out of fear. And two, because I think it's, I think it's important. Um, I don't know if that's something I I'm going to need to do forever, but I, I think it's just, it's just an important thing that 
various people in various worlds, regardless of what their kind of normal careers or professions or whatever are. I think it's something that people need to add to that conversation. So one aspect of it now, which, which isn't really the, it's not the theme of my music, but one of the threads now of what I do, especially like online on Twitter and things like that, is also just letting, you know, reminding people that you can have discussions and debates and disagreements with people and you don't need to hate each other. We, we're living in these times where, you know, a lot of people are talking about polarization and division and things like that, both in the UK, but even more so in the US. And there's a lot of demonization of people. People pick their side, people pick their team, and they just want to kind of hurl mud and throw rocks at each other. And a big part of my message is like, look, you can have, you don't need, people don't need to hate each other. You can have, you can have disagreements with people. You can argue with people and not hate them or think that they're evil or think that they're, you know, whatever word someone wants to put out there. And this should be kind of obvious. Like, I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but it turns out I do have to say this, right? I shouldn't have to go on Tucker Carlson and say that people can think for themselves and come up with their own conclusions and vote into like I shouldn't need to say this thing but in 2019 a lot of these things which to me are quite commonsensical are coming across as quite profound to a lot of people because some of those messages have just been missing for the past decade or two maybe so part of the higher level of what I want to do is just bring that back you know encourage it's why I like podcasts encourage conversation encourage discussion encourage debate questioning thinking, you know, all, all, all of that stuff. Um, so that's not so much in line with my sort of music or motivational aspect of things, but that's a part of what, that, that's become an increasingly part, sorry, increasingly important part of uh, some of the things I'm saying and doing. So that definitely was not a succinct answer, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's what it is. Talk to me a little bit about um, the inspiration behind your podcast. For everybody who doesn't, Real, Real Talk with Zuby, go mm -hmm. check it out. Um, you started in January? Yeah, that's right. started in January. 60 episodes. How many are you releasing? Yeah, I'm doing one a week. Wow. Um, it started out with two a week, and I want to get it back to two a week uh, once I've got a little bit more support with it. But um, at the moment, it's one a week. So it's just um, interesting and interesting conversations with interesting people. Mm -hmm. that's as simple as I would make it. It's not just about one subject. Uh, it's it's kind of like a little bit like a Joe Rogan sort of show in, in that regard and that it's not really a theme. The only theme is that it's interesting conversations. I feel you. I would, yeah. I would describe the, the same thing uh, yeah, about mine. Yeah, so when, before I started it, I was thinking a little bit more narrow, like, okay, do I want it to be a mm -hmm. self-improvement podcast or fitness podcast or a music podcast where I just talk to other I artists? I think there's a need. Yeah, and then I thought, man, there's a, even for my own sort of selfish desires and satisfaction, I want to keep it open because I don't want to be limited in who I can talk to. Mm -hmm. If I did a music, if I, sorry, if I did a podcast that was just music, then I would honestly get bored because I'm already a musician. I already make music. So that satisfies that part of my head already. Um, in terms of my intellectual curiosity, I'm interested in a lot of stuff that goes beyond music. So for my own selfish reasons, my podcast is also a way for me to have these discussions with anybody who I find interesting and fascinating who's willing to talk to me 
and kind of delve into a whole bunch of different issues. Some of them are business related. Some of them are entrepreneurial. Some of them are arts. Some of them are politics. Um, it can go anywhere, really. I, I I couldn't agree more with you. I mean, I've had people ranging from I don't know if you watch any UFC, but John Anik, the the play by play commentator, mm-hmm. to a to a man who was thirty one years in in jail and mm. had just gotten out, to you, to a world champion boxer, to a comedian. Like I think, for me, you know, I'm still very young, and this podcast is still very young. But I think everything that you saying that you're saying is is super on point. I think there's so much to learn from from conversation. And I feel like and I feel like honestly education will soon trend. And I hope there are classes that are, you know, listening to podcasts. Because I think for me, I spent one year in in univer- in college, mm-hmm. my previous year, and I'm this is my second year. And uh to be honest, in four months of podcasting, I think I learned more in that entire first year. It's crazy, isn't it? It's it's insane. Where do you, you know, you're 33 now. Mm-hmm. Would you would you agree with me in saying that this has arguably been your biggest year, or your? I mean, you've always been here, but you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the people that you're touching. Yeah, absolutely, no question. Where do you see yourself in five? Where do you hope to see yourself in five years? Mm-hmm. In ten years. I would want to be an internationally well-known touring artist and public figure who is impacting millions of people on a weekly or monthly basis through music, podcasts, public speaking, books, and other forms of media. Um, And in 10 years' time, I want that to be the same, but on an even bigger scale. Um, And that's it. Like, that's, that's my goal. Like, that's... It's specific, but it's also kind of open enough for me to take that in a whole bunch of different directions. So there's a lot more to come. The book I wrote this year, that's going to be my first book of many. I've already got ideas for other books. I've got ideas for uh, online courses. I've got ideas for, I've got ideas in a whole bunch of different fields. I've got new musical ideas. I've got new podcast ideas. So I want to just put out a ridiculous amount of content and substance into the world. Now for someone like myself who's who's young mm. and who really loves to hear that because that's some of the the ways and the, the kind of stuff that really inspires me mm. you know to just to have that content to have that entrepreneurial way of thinking of i don't just want a podcast i want a podcast plus this this yep. that, and that would you have a best piece of advice for me and how and going about um you know kind of i don't want to say mastering but working my way into different domains if you if you had a best piece of advice my best two pieces of advice would be number 1 master your craft which you are clearly already in the process of doing thank you and number 2 would be be so patient be hungry but be patient mm-hmm. be hungry but be patient and those almost sound like they conflict and oftentimes it certainly feels like they do because mm-hmm. Anyone who's driven and ambitious wants it yesterday. You you want to you want to blow up now, like right? All my music career has been like, man, I want this to happen now, or this should have already happened, or this. And you don't know. Firstly, you, firstly, you don't know what spark or catalyst is going to suddenly make more people know who you are, 
Um, and sometimes it's not even obvious what that thing is. Sometimes things just reach a, reach a certain tipping point with an audience, right? Like with Joe Rogan, for example, I don't think there was any particular moment when it suddenly became, it was just growth, 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 growth. And then, you know, more, and he, and sometimes you have to wait for the world. Here's another, here's a good piece. Sometimes you have to wait for the world to come to you. Mm. You just keep doing your thing, keep being authentic, keep being true to yourself, keep doing what you're doing. And sometimes it's not a difference in what you're doing. It's just that the world shifts to the point where, okay, the world needs you now. But do you think you have to be aware and cognizant that that shift is taking place and capitalize on that shift? You, you do, but you will be, if you do the first couple things, you'll be ready when it happens. Mm. Right. If I got this, if I, the opportunities I'm having now, if they were presented to me nine years ago, I would have squandered them. Because I wouldn't have known, you know, if I talked to Joe Rogan nine years ago, beyond talking a little bit about my music, I mean, what would I have, I don't know what I would have spoken about. You know? And at 24, I wasn't a dummy. I was smart. Right? I, was, <laughs> I was smart at 24. But I just didn't have the worldview and life experience to be able to confidently sit down with uh, Joe Rogan or Ben Shapiro or Tucker Carlson and, you know, go into some of the issues and stuff and explain myself articulately in the way that I can do now. And also the world wasn't in a position where some of those topics were even really a thing. That video that went viral, if I posted that in 2010, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have made sense. Yeah, People would have true. been like, huh? It, would, that would, it wouldn't even have been funny. People would like, no one would have gotten it, right? The world had shifted to a certain degree. Or if I go back to Nigeria and I show that tweet to people, they'll be like, huh, I don't get it. Yeah. What do you mean you identified as a woman? Like, like you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they they wouldn't get it, right? <laughs> it, it only makes sense in a certain context. Mm. And that's where the world has kind of gone. So it's like, oh, okay. The world has shifted into a, a way where a lot of the stuff I'm saying and have been saying is suddenly novel and refreshing and interesting and necessary. Even with my music, like I've been... My music hasn't, it's gotten better over the time, but my message has always kind of been the same, but it, I'm getting the feeling. And I'm also seeing this with, a, you know, in the new Kanye West album, Jesus is King. The guy's just put out a gospel rap album and is, you know, topping, topping charts with it. And it's like, the world needs that now. Mm. The world needs that now. And people are, you know, now saying even more so than ever before, like, man, your music is so different and refreshing. And I'm like, it's always been like that. Like I've been, I've been kind of had, had the same message out there or whatever, but it's just like s stuff has shifted so far in one direction that people are now like, oh, okay, there's, this is different. And people are now sort of realizing it and it's clicking. So it's like, okay, cool. Like now is my time to use some of that. Have you been able to, to stop and reflect in this past year um, just to take a, a step back and realize like, wow, <laughs> look at this year. Uh, no. <laughs> Do you hope to get a little yeah, bit of that moment? This coming weekend when I'm back in the UK, I plan to uh, not do much work. Do you feel, is it sometimes overwhelming? It can be. It can be. You know, as I'm doing this interview right now, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been on the road for over, over eight weeks. I've done, I don't know, 30 interviews been to 10 different cities like i you know i'm 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 tired um you, you saw me bring in the suitcases and stuff like i haven't <laughs> been moved to be in yeah yeah like <laughs> I, I haven't even been to where i'm where i'm staying yet but it's like 
I don't complain because I'm like, that's a blessing. Yeah. That's a blessing, man. It's a blessing you wanted to talk to me. It's a blessing, you know, I've got podcasts lined up tomorrow. Like, I'm in New York. I don't live here. I'm not from here. And people want to talk to me and feature me on their shows and think what I've done is interesting enough to have. I'm like, cool. Like, it, to me, it's, it's all a blessing. So I try not to, I can have little moments where I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I just want to, you know, curl up in a ball. And it's like, no, like, no, like you can, this is what you wanted, isn't it, man? Right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, what have you been working for since 2006, exactly. right? This is what you've been working for. Does it feel so. better now because you, because of all that time? Oh, yeah. 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 And it's going to get better. It's going to get better. I'm still warming up. You're still... I'm still warming up. It's this, just the this, beginning. Yeah, this year is like, okay, okay, certain things have aligned and broken through, but there's so much more that I can do and that I will do. All right, so we talked five, ten years. When it's all said and done, the Zuby legacy... Mm. Oh boy. Give it to me. Um, I'm going to have a lot of kids. A lot of grandkids. <laughs> um, a lot of work out there. I'm going to have a lot of music out there. A lot of books. <laughs> a lot of tours and concerts and speaking gigs and whatever done. A lot of videos. Just I, I want to just have a crazy amount of content out there. But ultimately, I want to... You know, I, w- I want to create something that really, truly will live beyond me in every in every shape of the in every way that that makes sense right i don't want just like we still read books and listen to music from people who have passed away right i don't like to think of my own death but you know (laughs) thinking about it i'd like to you know have be somebody who even even when i'm gone people are still using and getting value from what i previously created during my lifetime, and I think there's no bigger, I don't think there's a bigger legacy someone can leave on the world than that. I mean, just a couple hours ago, I was talking to somebody about, I mean, my last interview, they asked me about, uh, it was just like a quick fire round, but they were like, oh, do you prefer Biggie or Pac, right? And it's like, those guys both died over 20 years ago. They're still two of the most famous rappers in the world, right? You know, Tupac's music, Biggie's music, that, that, you go to a club, you're, they're still playing Biggie. And you're like, wow. Like, even if you think about that, that that's pretty incredible, right? Yeah. I think of like painters or like authors of books that were written. Fucking Shakespeare, that, man. Yeah, Shakespeare, George Orwell, yeah. uh, these painters, like, you know, that people who, you know, composers, Beethoven, Brahms, Mozart, they've created stuff that literally will probably live on forever. Forever. I don't know who, no, none of us met Mozart. Right, but, you know what I mean? like, but like you know, Shakespeare. Like everybody knows who Shakespeare is. Yeah. You didn't meet him. He wasn't. Ever, he wasn't on social media. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. Uh, you didn't. You never got a chance to like interact or see anything with him directly. But it's like, man, he created plays and books that are still all, not just in one country around the world. People are still studying and acting and doing in theaters and everything like that. And I don't know to what scale. I can reach, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to climb up as high as I can. That that's really what it is to me. There's no ceiling. There's no ceiling. There's no cap. There's no limit. It's just like I'm just gonna do as much as can be done. And when it's all said and done, then we'll see where <laughs> we'll see where it all ends up. 
You can find Zuby's book that he was just referring to, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everyone. That's an ebook. but by the time this comes out, you could probably pre-order the hard copy, I think, is yeah, what you were saying. Yeah, I've got the uh, physical copy, paperback coming, and I've also got an audio book coming. You can follow him on Instagram at Zuby Music and on Twitter as well at Zuby Music. Check out his website, ZubyMusic.com, where you can find pretty much all the information about you, yep. including some great accessories, which... I'm going to have to go get myself. I'm going to get that white hoodie, I think, with the purple. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, man, I got to say, you know, you uh, as you mentioned, you've been on this tour. It's You're tired. <laughs> you've been on the road for a long time. You've done some of the biggest shows in the world. But, uh, you know, to come onto my show is uh, is truly an honor. And to hear you talk about some of those hardships and, you know, to keep your head down and to keep going uh, is incredibly motivating for myself. So, it means the world, and uh, you're always welcome back on, and I wish you absolutely nothing but the best, man. I appreciate it, bro. Thank you, and likewise. Thank you. Thank you.